Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Yes, thanks, Eddie. That's right. It's, uh, it's certainly my favourite time of the week where we hear uh, from myself and Arnold Schwarzenegger. What's your name, sorry? Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzer. What is it again? So I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting. But no, I, I should, I'll go, I'll go back to normal. It is Mark Schwarzer, of course. Uh, time for another episode here on what is the first day of summer, Mark, which is a very exciting thing for us here in the UK. Yeah, of course it is. But you know what? Listen, let's be honest, though. We've had summer weather for at least the last month and a half or so. It's well, been magnificent. True. Let's be honest. Yeah, but there's something just it, what it does to your, your mind. You just think, I mean, I've got a bucket hat on. I haven't worn it since about this time last year. But all of a sudden you wake up and you go, it's bucket hat weather. Really? Because you know what? The way your hair is, it looked like you were wearing a permanent bucket head hat. Sorry. Oh, yeah. See, that's where you've gone wrong. You didn't have enough trust in that gag that's no, why you stumbled on it that's I did. The, that's what you know psychologists would say you know if you don't back yourself enough in your joke you'll stuff it up so yeah I, okay what i did come then back was, to me at half time maybe and then i i, I had an ollie <laughs> you can't coin that phrase there's no way <laughs> there's no way uh right so let's get into the wine before we get into the footy today mark i'm trying um i mean i i've never heard of well, I don't think I've heard of it, but I don't think I've tried it. But this is a, a Campo Vejo, uh, but it's a Tempranillo. Tempranillo? Is that how yep, you say it? That's how you say it. 2018. Tempranillo. Talk me through that because it looks, it's a Spanish wine. Um, yeah, Spanish red, but I don't think I've had it before. So do you, from off the top of your head, what, what, what is that sort of wine? If you were to compare it to like a Merlot or a Shiraz or Cab Sav, where does it sort of fit in the scale? I, okay, so I would say it's not. I think it's pretty close to being a Shiraz, so right. it's a pretty full, full-bodied wine. Um, I've had actually that one as well, so I have tried that before, and I do, I do enjoy it. I do love my Spanish wines, so yeah, good, so good choice, the, mate. You've, I see you've gone to the sales section in Audi as well. Uh, nice. No, I've actually had that one in uh, in Spain. Really? Yeah. So I, prob- I, I probably paid something like I don't know. Two euros fifty for it, and you've probably paid about seven pounds for it, or something like that, or maybe even more. Yeah, I won't go into the the exact financial details, but <laughs> you're not you're not far off if we're playing a game of Monopoly, that's for sure. Exactly. All the prices well, well, are up. Well, you know, interestingly, you know, I, I thought I would pick a wine. It's one of my favourite wines, so I've had it before. Yep. This this particular winemaker, um, I've not had the 2018 uh, version though. It's Pooley Wines, and it's a Pinot Noir. And do you know where Pooley Wines are from? Pooley? No, no clue. Really? Uh, um, Pool is in <laughs> down on the south coast near um, near Sun, uh, Southampton. <laughs> no, so 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 you're 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 close in terms of geographically. It's south, absolutely. 
right. it's just not in the it's not northern hemisphere though it's so Tasmanian. it's a tasmanian wine poorly wines yes well it's fake i've never heard of it no 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 how, it's how are we spelling poorly it's uh p-o-o-l-e-y yeah richmond area if you've been to richmond um well i think yeah now i i know the region very well i didn't know poorly wines though yeah, so that's go. beautiful. Beautiful bottle of wine. It's it's not cheap over here anyway. I think it. I I actually had it in um in a in a restaurant in Sydney. Mm. So and I I fell in love with it. I I, I think I drank two bottles of it. <laughs> I was like, really? Yeah, it was oh, so so nice and so easy to drink. It was so smooth. It is my favourite Pinot Noir. I mean, I've not had it since then, and it's one of those ones where you don't know. Was it like a, a moment wine, a particular location wine? And yep. if you were to buy it and bring it home, would you get have the same would it have the same effect? Would you come away from it going, that was magnificent, that is my favourite bottle of Pinot Noir, or will I come away from it going, Oh, that's a bit disappointing? Well, I'll throw this one out to you. When you went to Belgrade, you tried a bottle of wine with Milos Daganek, which yes. you then very generously bought a bottle for, for us to, to have on the show. You then brought it back to England and we had it on an episode. Does it did it live up? Yes. It, absolutely. Yep. It did. It did. So, so a, good, a good wine is just a good wine. You, you, well, you can take yeah, I, out I, I think so, but then sometimes you you can I think you can lose your your I think your uh, ability to determine what is a good wine or not based on a location and experience. So you may be having the one, most wonderful time and you can almost drink anything and go this was amazing. Because it just fit in with the environment, the scene. It was a scene setter, um, and your your senses have actually taken in the whole environment rather than just particularly the wine. So I think that in, in, in terms of on holidays, that can happen very often. Whereas the one from Belgrade, that was regardless. I had it in Belgrade; it was fantastic, and the scene was brilliant, and we had great company, great food. But then bringing it back to to, to England. I mean, the company was okay. There was no, yeah, no. there was not a lot of food, um, but it was <laughs> no. still really, really good. So it's time for the footy. And Mark, on this day last year, Liverpool beat Tottenham two 0 to win the Champions League. Um, but as I don't know if you can tell, but my personality today feels I'm a little bit harsh today, a little bit straight to the point. You know, not as not as joyful as usual. So, so I'll throw this one at you straight away without even thinking. A bit like Piers Morgan would do. Was it the worst Champions League final ever? I reckon it absolutely was. It was such a fizzer. My first time here, well, my first year in the country, so my first Champions League in England, two English teams. How good's that? And it was a fizzer. I thought it was rubbish. Well, let me just um, interject there. And, and, and I, I believe that you think it's a fizzer for, for a number of reasons. First and foremost, you're an Arsenal fan. Arsenal being rubbish, had no chance in the world getting away near a Champions League final. So it was, one, a, that, yeah. a, a, it was your, and what happened to that one? Let's not go to there, do we? <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, you've got your North London rivals, your biggest rivals are in the yep. final. And uh, another English club, like you said, in Liverpool. Yes, listen, it wasn't the most entertaining final, but if you're a Liverpool fan, you thought it was the, the most, you know, the, the, a magnificent day, a magnificent afternoon. I was at the game. It was so hot. Yeah, of course, the build-up is huge. You... You're hoping for a highly entertaining, remarkable game in a final. But how often does that actually happen? And the other thing is, it was such an incredible Champions League campaign. I mean, the the drama that we had all the way up to the final was 
superb. And it's probably the best, I can ever remember, best Champions League campaign um, from, from almost start to finish. Obviously, you know, the debate is, and the questions are, that final wasn't the best. No, it wasn't the best, but it was, I don't think it was necessarily the worst. Do you think that that's why the, at least I'm having that discussion? Because the campaign was so good. It just t- you, you felt like, come on, we just need one more 90-minute performance from two sides that is as good as all the other lead-up games. And it, or, and it just or 120, wasn't... or 120 minutes plus exactly penalties. Right. That would have even been better, wouldn't it? Like a 3-3 and then goes to penalty shootout and then the dramatic circumstances. Yeah, of course. Listen, you, know, you, you can't always have a, a, a dramatic uh, 3-3 like it was in, in uh, it was in Istanbul, wasn't it? Yep. Um, you know, with Liverpool and AC Milan. I mean, that was a, a, an amazing uh, final. But for, for a lot of reasons, it was still pretty amazing. I mean, Liverpool to start the game as well as they did. To, you know, the, the penalty was a penalty. Stonewaller, I felt for Sissoko, I felt for Tottenham. Because you've tried so hard, you've done so well. They've done it against all the odds to get to a final. And... That's that's what happens to him in the first minute of the game, and the referee had no other choice. As soon as it happened, I thought straight away penalty, and he has to give it. And from that moment onwards, Tottenham were never in the game, you know. And you've got to take your hats off to Liverpool because they were they played the game brilliantly. And whether that's because they've had the experience, the motivation, the extra bit of motivation from the season before, the hurt was still very fresh on on what it's like to to lose a final. To now going, right, this is our final and we're going to make sure we make the most of it. We've got a hand on the trophy already after a minute or so, or, or an opportunity put out on, on the trophy. And they did it. And if you take, I suppose, if you take the course of the Champions League campaign, I think either team would have been worthy winners. And I think the fact that you know Liverpool won it in the end, well done to them. And it was a, it was a remarkable campaign. Do you campaign. really think Tottenham would, would have been worthy winners? They felt like a tiny bit of a chances to me getting into that final. No, when I say worthy winners, had they have won it, there would have been no debating in terms of saying, well, they should never have won it. I mean, you can never, I don't think you can have that argument because the fact is that they've gone through the whole campaign and ended up in a final. They, yeah. they, the comebacks that they had throughout the, 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 the series, you know, to beat, to beat Manchester City like they did, to, to come back against Ajax, 100% deserved to have been where they were. On the day, Liverpool deserved to win. They got the rub of the green. They made their own luck. They were better on the day. What it was, I suppose, in hindsight now is a really great chance to look back and say probably the winner of that campaign and the winner of the Europa League campaign was English football. You know, well, it, it, it was just so dominant from, from sort of first to, to sixth <laughs> you know, in, in both European tournaments. It was, oh, then, it was a great celebration. Listen, from, from, from off the sports point perspective, it was brilliant. You know, Premier League, Champions League, first season of the Champions League, we had an unbelievable uh, campaign, as in, as in um, reporters, pundits, whatever, being involved with, with Optus Sport and covering the, the, the Champions League and the Europa League was like, it's one of the, one of the best non-footballing experiences I've had. And we had such amazing times. You know, we, had, we saw some insane games. You know, I was, I was at the game when, when Liverpool came back from 3-0 down to beat uh, Barcelona 4-0 at home. That evening, you know, what it, what it was like. I was in, I was in Paris when, when Man United beat, uh, beat PSG, you know, from, from being behind. It was just incredible. It was an amazing, an amazing atmosphere, amazing experience to have seen what it was like on the other side, to be, to be there pitch side, but to not be playing and to experience what an amazing campaigns they both were. And then go to the Europa League final. I mean, 
you know, to have four teams, English teams, in the in the final of European competitions, the best European competitions. I mean, that's a credit to the Premier League, and I think it's a great advert for the Premier League. And it was great, as you know, having played the vast majority of my career in the Premier League, it was. I felt proud of that. Yeah, and as you should, as you should. And while you were being able to witness that, you know, I on on the other hand was you know seeing Crew Alexandra beat Morecambe. 4-0 at home at Cresty Roads, you know, against the Shrimps. You know, but both I'm, but, equally but I'm sure, beautiful celebrations. But I'm sure you would have watched Arsenal get thumped by Chelsea in the final. Yeah, of course I did. Course <laughs> I did. <laughs> and the great <laughs> thing about that is, actually, our, our producer-stroke cameraman who was with us, uh, Richard McBurney, he was, um, he's, a, he's an Arsenal fan, a massive Arsenal yes. fan. And uh, he was almost in tears after the game. And the thing is, the minute the final whistle goes... Our job is then to, to try and capture as much as we possibly can from the celebrations, trying to get as many interviews as possible. So you can imagine poor Richard, you know, he's, he's verging on wanting to go and find a, a, a fellow Arsenal fan to cry on his shoulder to having to pick the camera up and start directing everything. Let's, let's get our interviews done. It was hilarious. It was actually kind of, it was hilarious, but I also felt a little bit sorry for him. So is that why most of people's heads were cut out in the shot? Because he actually had tears in his eyes and couldn't quite well, gauge the focus. And he was trying to always capture the trophy with an Arsenal player in the background, but it just right. never was going to happen, was it? Let's never going to happen. No, no, that's it. Hey, staying with Liverpool, just uh, touching on their, their Champions League win there. We saw today, in fact, at their, tra- uh, their training, they all took a knee in a circle in solidarity for, of course, George Floyd, who was murdered in Minneapolis uh, about a week ago now. And we've actually seen it's been a really heartwarming kind of narrative across the sporting world. Actually, not just the sporting world. You know, the, the, the world has really been united in that. But from a sporting perspective, seeing Liverpool do that, and of course, Jaden Sancho, after you know, he's got his hat trick against Paderborn, he showed his shirt and he had a, a message for George Floyd and his family. And it's been a really nice touch and a, a really uniting feeling in a, in a pretty dark time. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been, uh, you know, what a sad occasion. Um, it's... it's uh... It's shocking to have seen the footage, to have seen, um, you know, the imagery that we've all seen um, of, of the tragic loss of life. And, you know, it's such a, um, a shame that the, these sort of incidents still occur today. Um, and interesting, you know, like you mentioned there, Jaden Sancho lending his support, as was Marcus Turan, uh, who's Lillian Turan's son, who played for, for Borussia Mönchengladbach, also, you know, unveiled yes. a message on his shirt. Uh, Lewis Hamilton's come out recently. Uh, you know, the world has opened up and there's, there's an outpouring of emotion and deep concern of, of, of treatment of, of people across the world and particularly at this moment in time, uh, the, the, the bad treatment of George Floyd, which was, which quite honestly was disgusting. It was heart, heartwarming, though, to, to see Liverpool, you know, taking that knee. It was pretty, pretty powerful images. And, and from, a, you know, from a fan's perspective or just, just anyone involved in sport... These are the moments that, that you realise how important it, it can be from both a players using their platforms in the in the correct way, but also just, you know, I, I think in all of this, the big discussion has been education is the key for the future, right? In educating children to grow up so hopefully this stops. And what better, you know, education tool than kids look up to their idols? You know, it's just sort of as simple as that. And it's just beautiful to see. It, it certainly is, yeah. I mean, absolutely, education is, is 100% the key. Uh, also uh, trying to, to, to take out people with these sort of uh, disgusting views in society as quickly as possibly can um, and educate 
people to have, you know, people of prominence, people of, 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 of all walks of life lending their support and showing, showing people, showing the world that, you know, we're all one and we're all united and we're all in support of each other. Absolutely. So we touched on Jaden Sancho and his message, but let's have a look at both him and also I want to ask you about Lewandowski after what's been a pretty wild weekend in the Bundesliga. Our eyes have, of course, been on that league uh, over the coming, over the past weeks. But Jaden Sancho has now scored his first uh, senior uh, hat-trick, uh, all in the second half. So half the first half, it was nil all between... Dortmund and Paderborn, and then all of a sudden, oh, it's ended 6-1, which I don't know what the odds would have been looking at that second half to end 6-1, but enter Jaden Sancho, and he's just been, he's actually copped a little bit, I've seen, I don't know about within your circles, Mark, but he's copped a little bit of flack for suggesting that he's not been too great since coming back from lockdown, which I think is ridiculous. Of course, he's been uh, played off the bench a lot. Uh, and and since was it, it must have so the last game sorry that Dortmund played was against Bayern which of course was when Haaland was injured so Jaden was now, on the bench as well so he he's he's so, had a bit of an injury concern since he's come back from yep. since we've come back from the lockdown bit uh, of a Manchester so, United injury concern as they say no 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 he's actually had a legitimate problem with I think it was a, a possibly a thigh injury a muscular injury so therefore he did he had, they had to reduce the amount of training he'd done. So they had to limit his involvement. Um, so the two previous games, he was on the bench, and uh, he was looked to against Wolfsburg a couple of games ago. He made an impact coming off the bench, and against Bayern, uh, it was a difficult occasion. You know, Bayern was a very, you know, very good side, and he had a lesser impact. Even even on the weekend, first half he was pretty quiet, and second half he came to life. I mean, Paderborn played in their in their hands, but obviously you've got to have the players and you've got to have the ability to exploit it, and and. Borussia Dortmund certainly do have that. And I understand what Jaden Sancho is saying because oh, I have to agree, you know, he hasn't necessarily been at that same sort of peak form that we saw him leading up to this pandemic. But then who has been? You know, there's not many people that have been. It's going to take a little bit of time, you know. There's been a big break. I think you can think of one person, Lewandowski. Well, and yeah, I mean, there's probably, there's probably about 12 or 13 players at Bayern Munich that have probably, <laughs> at the very least matched if not exceeded their performances prior to lockdown and, and that that is an, a bit of an anomaly uh, they've been they've been outstanding I've, I've been able to to cover quite a few of their games since uh, the restart and uh, they have been awesome and Lewandowski has been I mean it's just out of this world and if you watch him there I've had a lot of discussions recently about it and again on the weekend I was covering the game um, by Munich against Fortuna Dusseldorf and what impresses me the most about Bayern Munich is that yeah, you can talk about all the individual talent they've got, and they do. They have sublime players, Lewandowski being one of them. Thomas Muller's form, I think it's 17 assists that he's had this season, which is just incredible. Um, it's Every player has their ability. Every player is, is a top, top-class player. But what I like about them the most is their work ethic, yeah. their, their team play and their work ethic. They are so well-drilled. They are so determined, so committed, and working hard. After the game as well, I don't know if you saw it, um, you had Josh, Joshua Zerkki who came on, a young striker, and uh, at the end of the game, final whistle goes, the first thing that happens is that there's a camera pans and you see Robert Lewandowski turning to, to Zerkki and, and having a conversation with him, giving him yeah. advice about the game, runs in the, in the, you can see him clearly you know, uh, showing him the, the, the types of movements and, and, and the different play he was, he was referring to. And and that's been apparently one of the the, the sort of the, the the most notable aspects of Robert Lewandowski in the last sort of six to twelve months is that 
He's kind of got to a position in his career where there was a lot of talk all the time about him potentially leaving Bayern. And he's now, I think, resigned to the fact, not resigned to the fact, but accepted or decided this is the best place for him. And he wants to play as long as he possibly can for Bayern Munich. And he wants to, he's starting to give back to people. He's starting to open up and actually give a lot of information out to the younger players, passing on his wealth of experience. He himself has changed his, his whole diet, his whole training regime. And he looks fitter and meaner. Um, and and there's, a, there's a number of Bayern players that look the same. I love the way they're able to exchange in positions. You know, whether it's David Alaba playing at centre-half, that he doesn't normally play that sort of position. Lucas Hernandez has had an issue with injuries since he's arrived at Bayern. Um, on the weekend, he came off again at half-time, which is not the first time since, you know, he's been there that he's, that's had to happen. Um, you know, we've seen Jerome Boateng is a player that's, that it's kind of it was on the outer at the end of last season. He was by everyone's money. Every bookmaker would have had him as odds on. Probably wouldn't have even taken any bets anymore that he was still going to be at the club come the start of this new season. And he's they've needed him. I mean, Sula got injured earlier on in the season. He's out for long term. And uh, I just love the way they play. I love their versatility. I love their work rate. I mean, Alfonso Davies. If I could pick, if I could pick one player, like I don't know. It, you know, people would say straight out Ronaldo, Messi in your team. I I would like if I were Chelsea, who would I want to see at Chelsea? I, I want to see Alfonso Davies. Really? I, I just think he is he's not complete by any measure of the imagination, but he is an incredible athlete. His pace, the way he tore Chelsea apart in the in the Champions League, uh, was remarkable. He's done it time and time again in the Bundesliga, and I've seen him do it in other Champions League games this season. Uh, there's a number of players. I mean, Serge Gnabry is another player that excites me. Um, you, you could go through a list. Leon Goretzka. He's a player that people know of. Is uh, sort of toyed with the idea of being a really, really good player. Top, top class player. Has had a lot of injuries since being at Bayern. Thiago's injury and absence from the Bayern team, I think, is actually been a blessing in disguise for Bayern. Because Leon Goretzka offers so much more to their team. So there's so much scope for Bayern still to improve. So the big question is, the Bundesliga finishes come the end of, end of this month, on the 20th, 27th of June. The, all the word, all the soundings and the, the voices out there that's saying that the UEFA Champions League will potentially con- restart in the first week of August and complete by the end of August. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The problem with for buying is there'll be a month of no football for them because their season would have already been completed how are they going to continue that momentum will they be able to play friendly matches will they be able to continue the momentum and the good form that they've had up until this point that's their biggest challenge because if if it were to align say the Champions League restarted on the, in the first week of July I would yep. put money on tomorrow easily that Bayern are a strong favourite to win the Champions League in the way that they're playing Halftime drinks here in the Two Sharp Reds, and I just thought it was a, a really good chance for Mark to just calm down after his love affair with Bayern Munich. Bloody hell. It's, 
And Mate, I have, you, have you seen him? Have you seen him play yeah, recently? Yeah, it's unbelievable. And yeah. you're spot on. And, and in particular, we're talking about someone like an Alfonso Davies, which, let's be honest with you, a left back is a position that can be, you can get lost a little bit or underappreciated sometimes. And, you know, he's, ni- and he's 19 years old. Yeah, and he and, doesn't, he, yeah 19. Uh, didn't know that. That's uh, unreal. And he made his debut in the MLS at 15 years old or something like that, you know, and... You know, he was born in a refugee camp in Africa. You know, it, it, the story is just incredible. It, it's like, and the guy is humble, he's work rate, and it's every single Bayern player. It, it's, How it's amazing. I love watching, you know, we talk about the, the, negative, the negatives of, of, of lockdown now and no fans in the stadium. And yeah, there's so many negatives about it. There's, you know, the atmosphere and everything else. What I actually think, where the positive is for me, I can listen to every player's, instructions i can hear the coaches there's no hiding now so you know who the communicators are on the pitch you can hear yeah. instructions you hear that communication it, it's it's fascinating for me i mean i know it as a player i played yeah. it you do it you know you need it i think it just now it it, it gives a, a a greater importance and a, and, a, and, a, and it gives you an example of how important it can be how have you been able to view exactly what they're saying? Because well, I've obviously struggled because this might surprise him up, but I don't speak fluent German, you see. So I have, I have struggled when I, you know, I, I just, there's not a lot of been of a, a lot of talk about Steins and, um, you know, chicken schnitzels, for example. You know, okay. I, I, get, I get a little bit confused out there. What have you noticed in particular? Is it, do they bark orders for positions or if you notice from the manager? Like, I mean, because as you said, you, you've experienced that firsthand for years, but, I wouldn't have a clue what they're saying out there. It it's, could be any number of things. So the other thing is, as well, you look at Hansi, Hansi Fleck, the manager of Bayern Munich's record since he's taken over. It's actually surpassed now Pep Guardiola's record since taking over. And right? in, in number of victories and goals scored. and I mean, the, the stats are, are, are amazing. And what I like about Hansi Flick is the impression that he gives. He's calm. He's organised. You don't see him shouting, screaming, waving his arms around, causing another distraction. So many other managers, it's about me, 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 me. Look at me, look at me. I'm showing everyone everything. I'm doing all the actions. Hansi Flick, you can see, they all know their instructions. It's all organised. Every player on that pitch. There's a demand for success. There's a demand for work rate. There's the demand for the right pass. But there's a lot of encouragement. There's a lot of communication going on out there. Um, there is a lot of a pause over hit. No one's turning around and waving their arms and complaining. It's, it's, it's about that team ethos, that relentlessness. And it's very, very tough to play in a stadium when there's no crowd. It's, it's, it, they're, they're important games. It's winning championships. It's qualifying for European positions. It's staying in leagues. It's really still tough for players to, to get that into that, that mode, that mood. And that's why we're also seeing so many teams failing to win at home. Home ground yeah. advantage seems to be non-existent. And, it, and it's down to, basically it's down to now, whoever has the better squad is going to be more successful because it's now, there's, there's no other elements that are involved. There's no other outside influences. It's all about individual, one against one, team ethos, work rate, and the better teams, bigger squads, better players are going to come out on top, even more so now. Have you noticed, though, I'd be fascinated to know whether or not you think the same thing, but I feel like we've got better football because one thing that we miss, of course, is the momentum and energy uh, that you know a full stadium of fans provides, right? But say if you take, for example, the Dortmund 
Bayern Munich game. Yeah, okay, it ended 1-0, so it was a little bit of a fizzer in the sense that it wasn't a complete shootout like it looked like it was going to be in the first you know, minute of the game. But I felt like there was just no momentum from the crowd, distracting players, there weren't very many mistakes. It was just like a proper game of, of chess, which is what it should be. You know, the best team should probably win every game. You know, if they're the better team, they should win. And that's one thing that I've actually really enjoyed is they've, you know, it's not been down to the fact you're entering a cauldron. It's going, okay, well, who's got the better game plan? Let's see from a strategic side. And also, there's been less play acting. There's, no, there, there's been very, very little diving, um, bad, necessarily bad intentional tackles. Great it was, point. Because, because of the atmosphere, it's trying to convince the referee uh, to, you know, to the fans often whistling, blowing. The referee loses a little bit of control of the game, a little bit of focus of the game. The players get caught up with the euphoria and those sort of things occur more frequently. We've seen very, very little of it in the Bundesliga in particular. Uh, and, and, and it becomes appealing. You know, players get tackled and sometimes there is a bit of a late challenge. There's very little appealing going on. There's very yeah. little of overreaction. And it's more of a game now, like you said, it's individual uh, brilliance, individual, uh, the, the physicality of it, intelligence on the football pitch and teamwork. And, and I, I just find now there's no hiding. No one can hide. Is Everyone's that, that there. Weak? Yeah, is that the, the psychological angle of feeling almost a little bit exposed, a little bit like, righto, don't stuff up because we'll be able to see. You make a mistake, we'll be able to see. And everyone will be able to hear it. There's no this, yeah. now you can just stay on the sideline or one side of the pitch and you're out of, out of sight and out of reach of the manager's voice or teammate's voice um, because the, fan, the fans dra- drain out all that noise. Now it's a case of the manager calls from the sideline, you're yeah. going to hear it. No matter where you're on the pitch, you're going to hear it. And... I just find there's a, there's a bit of extra focus. There's a bit more responsibility taken by individual players. Well, there you have it uh, here on the Two Sharp Reds. Mark Schwartz says, don't ever bring fans back to football. <laughs> there you go. Interesting now, there, quote. <laughs> there's, obviously, there's obviously, you know, that, that's, that's, the, that's the flip side. So that, I, I think that's the positive that's out of it. But it's also heavily outweighed by the negative of not having an atmosphere. I you, mean, hope that, you hope, though, those p- positives will be translated. Yeah, so listen, of course we want fans back. There's nothing like playing in a stadium that holds however many thousand, whether it's 10,000, 12,000, it's packed to the rafter, or if it's 100,000 people packed to the rafter. It doesn't matter. Um, Oh, well, it does matter. I mean, one stadium is bigger than the other, and it's amazing. But what I'm saying, my point is that nothing beats a full house and the atmosphere of playing in front of that, that, that cauldron of support, whether it's they're on your side or against you. I mean, they're both unique in their own ways. I've just enjoyed aspects of, of not having fans in the stadium. Uh, would, would, if I had a choice, of course I want fans back in the stadium. Absolutely. No doubt. I want to be back in the stadium to watch it. I want to enjoy the atmosphere. Having yeah. also no longer play, playing the game. But I've also appreciated this moment without them because I, I, I get a different aspect, a different view of the game. I think, I think people can also see a different view of it now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you're spot on. And I'm going to do this once, and I'm never going to do it again, but I'm going to compliment the NRL on something, and I'd love to get your thoughts on whether or not the Premier League should do it. But over the course of the weekend, we've seen the NRL return, and they use sound effects, like crowd effects, and it was brilliant. It was honestly, because I I watched with that in mind, then watched uh, the K-League on the weekend, and I was going, all right, like you're looking at a lot of these shots, and I'd be fascinated to know the percentage, but let's say it felt like at least 75% of shots, you wouldn't even be able to tell that there's no crowd there. You know, it's zoomed in on 
players or just literally on the pitch. I don't know if that's a conscious decision that can, you know that the, the people behind the scenes have made since or whether or not it's just the first time I've noticed it. But you actually don't, can't tell unless it's a corner or a free kick and you can see behind the goals. I thought the NRL adding those crowd effects... You know, I mean, it was louder than it normally is, to be fair, at an NRL game, but it just <laughs> created a totally different thing where I feel like the Premier League won't do because they're too... Do you find the Premier League are a little bit too proud of their history and they go, well, no, that's not how we do it, so we won't be doing it? Whereas a, a code like NRL will go, well, hey, let's slow caution to the wind. Let's just give it a go. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, there's, there's been suggestions over here that maybe they'll use, like, the FIFA 20... Uh, sort of theme tunes and music that they use in various, uh, on the, the current game that's out there, obviously how popular it is globally and people would associate uh, with it very, very quickly. Um, I, I'm, I mean, I've listened, I've, I've watched Kaylee games, I've, watched, I've listened to it, you can hear the fans, the, 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 obviously the, the, the music that's put in there or the voices that are put in there. Um, I, like I said, I've enjoyed it not being, I, I, I've enjoyed the fact that you can hear everything. Bayern, what they did on the weekend was when they were reading out the team names, they put on, they actually put on a, which I thought was really, really cool, was a fan's song. So fans singing a fan song when they were call, when they were reading out the team lineup. So Brilliant. it wasn't a, wasn't a themed song, a well-known song for the club. It was actually the fans singing a song. Brilliant. So I actually thought it was really cool. And it was a proper uh, FC Bayern song that was made specifically for the club. So... That I thought that was cool. I thought that was really yeah. good. I, I enjoyed that aspect of it, um, but I also enjoyed the aspect that of hearing everything that's being said. I love to hear the players, their discussions they're having, the managers, some managers losing their rag, which you hear, and they've been told you've got to be careful because everything's being picked up now. And I, I, I mean, was watching, I did the game the other week. Um, it was uh, RB Leipzig against Hertha uh, Hertha Berlin, and it's um, uh, Julian Nagelsmann for for RB Leipzig is the manager, and. I, I don't don't really know his voice, but all I could hear because uh, the, the, the pitches were focused on a on a couple of players on the pitch. All you could hear was this person going crazy at the referee, going off. And I was trying to work out who it was, and I didn't think it was Bruno Labbadia, who was the uh, the, the Berlin how to Berlin manager. And then they they went on to Nagelsmann. You could see it was him, and he was having, he was losing his rag. And you know we see that. On a match day at a Premier League game, you see it previously in a, in a Bundesliga, but no one really knows what they're saying. You can't really hear what they're saying. People are sh- trying to lip read, trying to work out there. Whereas yeah. really, another one, you could hear every single word. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of, I kind of like that. It adds, it adds a little bit different entertainment rather than awesome. being potentially distracted by the fans that's going on. There's something going on in the stand, and you're always just fully focused on the ball, the play, the noise that you're getting from that game right there and then. One thing I also loved from that Bayern Munich game, which you suggested there, was when they said, number 19, Alfonso Davies, song sung by Mark Schwarzer. Biggest <laughs> fan. Well, it's a really great song, mate. I thought you did a really good job. Obviously, work on a few things throughout the week until the next game, but I was really yep. impressed. Um, hey, Mark, before we, we wrap things up here on the Two Shut Reds, I'll ask you this question. Uh, certainly within the last 10 years, maybe not their history, but let's say the last 10 years, has there been anyone that's been physically able to say no to Manchester City? Has there been anyone that said no? I, I'm, there, there has to be. I think, I, think, I think Lionel Messi has said no because, you know, Pep Guardiola's yeah. been there and, and, he's, and he's been for some time now more than once been linked with going to, to Manchester City and he's still a Barcelona player and I don't actually see him leaving Barcelona. How could Messi leave Barcelona? 
No, you couldn't. I, I just, you know, the fact is, right, you know, whether you want to compare uh, Messi with Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, right? The one thing Messi has got over Cristiano Ronaldo, he's a one-club man. He's accomplished everything he's accomplished in his career at a club level at the one club. And that is, that is, I mean, I know it's Barcelona, right? But many are big-name players, and even bigger-name players than he was when he first started, who have come to the club, have failed mm-hmm. and have won nothing like he's won. But to have such a strong presence uh, and, and, and an and a influence of that club over such a long period of time and still does to this day is something that I hope we see, we see again. But I think it's going to be less likely you're going to see one, a player staying at one club for their whole career. So to answer okay. your question, yes, yeah. Yeah. Lionel Messi okay. definitely. Okay. I, I, I think he said no. Are there any others? I'm sure there will be, but probably not many. <laughs> so I, there can't be too many, but we've seen the first case uh, from an absolute club legend of Manchester City. Uh, actually, I'd say the club legend, the, the face of the modern era when it comes to Manchester City. That's Vincent Company has rejected the assistant role at Man City for whatever reason, whether he feels like his job's not done in his current role back in Belgium or he doesn't feel like he's right for it yet, needs more experience. I was blown away. He's built for that role. That's perfect. Don't you think? You're not ready to be full-time manager. Of course you're not. Pep's still got some, some things to do here, but... I mean, how perfect. He almost is exactly the same in terms of bringing someone in like Arteta, who's clearly a really smart footballing personality. He just gets it, right? You know, he just gets it. You can just imagine how perfect that duo would have been between Pep and Vincent. Yeah, yeah, probably. But then, you know, the, the difference is, I suppose, with Arteta, he wasn't managing before he went to Manchester City, whereas, you know, Vincent Company has a manager's position at one of the best teams in Belgium. And okay, you can argue and say, what's well, Belgium by comparison to going to Manchester City and being assistant manager and to being assistant manager to one of the best managers on the planet. However, he's a manager and he's managing a very, a very big club in Belgium and they play European football. He is cutting his teeth, so to speak, in, in that role and that profession. And he's probably feeling like, you know what, I can actually learn far more doing what I'm doing right now. I've worked under Pep Guardiola for, what is it, three years and I've learned a lot as a player and I believe that I've probably got enough that I can transfer from that experience as being a player and having worked under him and, and seeing how he coaches, now bring that, adapt it and bring it into my coaching career. So, uh, I mean, listen, hats off to him. Hats off to him that, he, that he's been, well, if you want to call it brave enough, um, if you want to say that, it's, uh, that he's confident enough in his own ability to, to, to forge out his own career and his own pathway. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with it. Mark, that's all the time we've got for here on the Two Sharp Reds. Um, I've, of course, was tasting my very first Tempranillo 2018 Campo Vejo. Jeez, that's one of the more exotic sentences I've ever said, but I think I did pretty well. Um, You know I like to just mark my own uh, pronunciation here on the Two Sharp Reds. And I absolutely adored it. I think you were spot on. You suggested that if you looked at a a ladder almost of of Reds, you know, from from your Shirazes to Cab Savin, and anything in between, this was more of a Shiraz, which is my yep. favourite, and mate, spot on, absolutely beautiful. This with a, a nice pot of paella, you know, Barcelona. Well, watching Alfonso Davies highlights on repeat, I just think this is <laughs> this is a p- potentially a perfect night. It would have been perfect for me today because I just had a fideuwa, which is the the pasta version of a paella. My wife cooked it. 
So is it uh, just the no rice, but but pasta instead? Pasta, yeah, and it's a particular uh, fideo, which is Spanish word for for, for pasta. And yeah. there's, a, there's a particular one they use for... There's actually a couple of different varieties of, of pastas or variations of pasta they use for a traditional fideuwa. So oh. we, had one, we had one today, which was really lovely. So that would have been a perfect wine for me. So go on. Uh, oh, well, I'm going to have a microwave curry for dinner. But anyway, uh, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> I'll, I'll, here are the two sharp reds. Of course, we like to compare the wine we're tasting to a player past or present. Mark, I'll go first in this scenario. Um, on the back of uh, my wine, it says... Quite simply, one sentence. Um, the only sentence in English, it says, the most vibrant expression of red wine you can imagine. I'm going to be even more bold. I'm going to compare this wine to an incredible athlete, uh, an incredible personification of uh, expression, a vibrant expression. But this person wasn't a footballer. So this would be okay. a first. This All is right. going to be a first. And, and you can tell me... How you feel afterwards? Where we can maybe do, do? I might do it in the next ten episodes, or we should never do it again. This is the Dennis Rodman wine. This is a hundred percent the Dennis Rodman wine. I, I, I don't know how you would have been right across the Chicago Bulls in the I late was. 90s. Absolutely, Luke, Luke Longley, of course, Luke Longley. Yeah, and that's why even more so than Michael Jordan, of course, and Dennis Rodman. Yeah, he was out there, wasn't he? Oh, one of the all-time great when it when it came to just being himself, and this is this is a very vibrant expression. And it's, I think you say those two words and sport, you go, yeah, Dennis Robin. So look, it might be a once-off, but I feel comfortable in in uh, comparing it to him just this once. Cool, very interesting. Well, okay, with that in mind, um, so I've been drinking the Pouli wines, uh, Pinot it's a 2018, a Coal River Valley. So from your neck of the woods in Tasmania, it's my favourite wine. My favourite Pinot Noir, the 18 I've never had before, but this is this is my first experience of it, and I love it. Absolutely love it. And um, it's fresh. It's vibrant. This is my player as well, by the way. He's right. fresh. He's vibrant. He's... <laughs> He's very expressive, right. as is this wine, um, and there's a there's a there's a real strong uh, for me is a real lingering sort of pepper spicy kind of feel to it, and this player has got unbelievable amounts of spice to him, and none other than and I've raved about him so much today has to be Alfonso Davies, the great man, officials, <laughs> he's all, we are almost his. You know, the, the two sharp reds could be his you know, official podcast sponsor. You know, hundred percent makes yeah. sense, doesn't it? Yeah. You just love oh. him. I mean, the guy. Listen, even if you follow him on social media, not that I do, but I've seen posts on social yeah. media. He's expressive. You know, he's individual. He's yeah. fresh. He's vibrant. Everything about him on the football pitch is exactly the same. Plays with a smile on his face. Um, How- nineteen years old. I just remind you, nineteen yeah. years old, almost there. How- this is a two thousand and eighteen. One, but it's almost there. <laughs> yeah, so I like it. Absolutely. One more year. One more year. And how good, just quietly as we as we wrap up, how good will he be for Canadian football? He's like, it'll be the best thing since sliced bread for them. Absolutely. Huge. Huge. If you talk about it as well, um, twenty was it 2026 World Cup? Yeah. Canada, yep. USA, Mexico, joint bid. Canada's going to be at the World Cup. Hopefully, let's pray, Alfonso Davies is on another level altogether than what he is, yeah. and I'm sure he will be, and that he's fit. And they're raring to go, and they're able to build a, a, a competitive side. And I, I really look forward to it. You know, I think this guy, Bayern Munich, have already timed down to a longer-term deal. Uh, I mean, I just hope 
Um, I, listen, wherever he ends up, he'd be great, amazing. I mean, obviously, it looks like he's going to stay at Bayern for some time. Wherever he goes, unless barring a, a series of injuries and setbacks, this guy will go on to be one of the best players, left-sided players in the world, easily. You, you love him. You absolutely love him. And so do we, and I hope so do you. So, look, this episode is dedicated. A big cheers to you, Alfonso Davies. Keep doing uh, t- keep doing the great work. And, of course, if you enjoyed this episode of Two Shut Reds, uh, make sure you can you can subscribe, of course, leave a rating mark. Um, I know you've left a few lately, which has been really great. Yeah, yes. Some, on your ghost yeah, accounts. Yeah, obviously, that... obviously um, you know, Praise myself very, very highly. Yeah. I've said my, you know, that the obviously the host of the show is a bit yeah. dodgy, needs a haircut. Um, yep. Obviously, after today's episode, you can episode, tell over a podcast, obviously as well. So that's important. Well, we can definitely, you know, we you know, we do also do it via Zoom, so we can talk to each other, see each other face to face. And there are snippets every now and then on uh, Optus Sport, which you get a chance to see both of us having a chat. You certainly do. So if you want to see some of those clips, they get uploaded into the private Facebook group. It's like the cool kids group at school. Yes. You know, grade five, it's like, yeah, 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 pretty cool stuff. So head to Facebook. It's Two Sharp Reds by Optus Sport. We'll let you in. We can have a good chat, and you can see some of those videos there. So cheers, Mark, and cheers, Alfonso Davies. Cheers, mate. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.